Today we began at least a seven-week series called Finding Biblical Focus for Your Future. Say that with me this morning. Finding Biblical Focus for Your Future. This morning I want you to know something. There is a war going on in the world. And the, and the war that is going on is, is, is a war trying to uh, uh, cloud our spiritual focus and undermine the priority of God in our life and get our eyes off of God and get our eyes off His Word and get our eyes off our commitment to Christ. And so this year, we want to get focused on what God has for us. I so appreciate what Josh just shared with you a few moments ago because we want our children to get focused on Jesus in every area of their life and return to the priority of God. And so there's a battle going on for our spiritual focus. There's a battle going on for the priority. You know what you focus on becomes a priority of your life. And in today's culture, the, the issue is, and we can blame the devil if we want to, he's certainly a part of it, but uh, uh, God-fearing, God-loving folk are losing focus on God and his purpose and plan for their life. And, and in fact, we, when you look at statistics, you'll see that people are, are, are fading away and there's a falling away and there's a lack of commitment and connection to the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. And so this morning, as we really jump in and begin, uh, all afresh and anew, we're, we're really starting over in a lot of ways. Uh, we're starting over as a church in some ways. We're, and I want everyone here to just think about the fact, you know what we're doing? We're starting a brand new church. We're just kind of getting going and we're excited about the future. Everybody say, I'm happy in Jesus. Amen. I said, say, I'm happy in Jesus. And so it's a great day. And so this is an important time for us to focus. I want to give you some homework because in order to get focused, you can't stay focused just on, uh, you know, a, a little, uh, you know, an hour or so every week at church and uh, here and there, a little hit and miss. I want to give you some homework. Here's your homework for the week. Uh, your reading assignment. Uh, I want you to read through the, the book of Philippians and Acts chapter 16. Acts 16 is where the church in Philippi was birthed and born. I want you to get that history. We'll talk about that a little bit in just a few moments. But that's your reading assignment. And when I say reading assignment, it's not a speed reading assignment. Use it as your devotional time. De what? Devotional time. Somebody say devotional. I want to encourage our teenagers, our young adults, our families, our grandparents to spend time this week in daily devotion focusing upon God and his word. Could I get a better amen? And so that's your reading assignment. And here's a memory verse for you. It's important for us to remember God's word. The Bible says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Let's read this out loud together. Philippians 1, 6. Are you ready? If you're ready, say I'm ready. Here we go. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Read it again. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I love that verse, and I believe that verse. I believe in 2018, God's got some things he's got to do in us. Look at your neighbor and say, God's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with us yet. We got to have some confidence in what he's up to. 
and what he's doing. All right. We gotta, we gotta trust him in every area of our life. Amen. The yesterday morning, I was texting my friend, Pastor Sonny Canancer. I texted him a little too early yesterday morning because I forgot he was in Hawaii for a conference. And so we were texting back and forth. He said, thank you very much. You woke me up at 4 o'clock this morning. Uh, but then a little later, I get a phone call from him. It was 8.07 or, or 8.15 there. And he said this, Sam, turn on the news. I said, what's the matter? I could see something in his voice. He said, Susan and I just got a warning on our telephones that a ballistic missile is headed towards Hawaii. This is not a drill. And it freaked them out. It freaked me out. And uh, you know what? Pastor Sonny later, had to, he told me this. He said, you know what? I wasn't as big a man of God as I thought I was when I thought very soon my wife and I were just going to go poof into. Uh, but you know what he said? We got to live every day like every day counts. We got to make the most of every situation. And that's what finding focus is all about. Being able to prioritize and making the most of the, of what God has given us every day and every hour. And I want to encourage you to do that this year in 2018. I'm going to, over the next seven weeks, this one included, I'm going to give you seven big biblical focal points, uh, for 2018. We're going to look at seven. Here they are. This is where we're going. You want to see them? Number one today, we're going to focus on the family. Somebody say the family. Not just our, our, our biological family, but really the family of God. Number two, we're going to focus, focus on faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness. All these are found in Philippians. Not only the faithfulness of God, uh, but being faithful to the family of God and faithful to God. We're going to focus on forgiveness. Somebody say forgiveness. Listen, if you want to, if you want to move into the destiny of God for your life with great power and authority, you got to tackle and get the victory in the area of forgiveness. You've got to be, how many of you know, if you want to be forgiven, you got to be a forgiver. Amen. And then fruitfulness. We'll see in, in, in Philippians that Paul is really encouraging and praying for the Philippian church to be fruitful in all areas of life. And then fearlessness. That is people full of faith who, who choose to look fear in the, uh, in the face and say, I'm going to trust God. And then here's one I shared with you earlier. It's forgetfulness. How many of you know if you got to move, if you want to move forward, there's some things you just need to do what? Forget about it. Everybody say, forget about it. And then finally, and these are not in the particular, I'm not sure how this order, and you, you've already learned this, we're going to focus on finances, on getting our house in order financially, healthy and whole, and, and be able to, to get out of debt. Somebody say, get out of debt. Amen. And we're going to trust God that not only in your life and in your finances, but in the finances of this church, that we're going to see the blessing and the favor of God come upon us in greater measure. That's one reason you need to be here Sunday at 915, not just for donuts, but in fellowship, but for, to begin to break the back off of, off of uh, poverty and debt in your life and get the blessing of God upon you. I'm excited about that. And everybody said amen. So that's where we're going. And this morning, in just a moment, I'm gonna, we're gonna focus on the family, uh, and the family of God. But before we get there, before we jump into Philippians, let me give you a little quick background about this church family. Uh, and I would encourage, you're gonna see a lot of this when you read Acts 16, where the church is, is birthed. But let me just kind of help you understand this church a little bit. It was birthed by Paul the Apostle, of course. And then Paul is, of course, writing back to them in this book of Philippians. 
It was the first church ever planted in Europe. It held a special place in Paul's heart. Uh, in fact, Luke's record of, of the, in Acts chapter 16, you remember Luke, the, the physician wrote, uh, Acts. His record is the most extensive account of a church birth and a church plant of anyone in all the New Testament. So it's an important insight into the birthing of the local church. Uh, and here's another thought. It was birthed, pardon me, it was birthed in the midst of a divine directive. You're going to see this in Acts 16 when you read it this week. Because if you remember, what did the angel say? Paul had a dream or a vision. And, and he heard someone from Macedonia, which is really a Europe, European area. Set, and what, what was the directive? Come over to, come over to Macedonia and help us. It was God's divine directive that brought them to Philippi. And it's a great and it's an interesting story. In fact, the first converts in, in Philippi, one was a businesswoman named Lydia. Another was a slave girl who was a demoniac who got delivered. And another was the prison guard. And as one theologian said, this church was birthed by two women and the warden. And so it's a great story. You're going to want to see it. You're going to want to experience it. And it was also birthed in the midst of great trouble for Paul the Apostle because Paul and Silas were in jail there in Philippi. And you'll have to get the story to know why. Uh, but uh, they were in jail. God supernaturally delivered them. And that's where the jail, uh, there's, I think, the first jailhouse rock and all the prisons were set free. Uh, and the jailer uh, was born again, he and his household. And the church at Philippi was born. I'm telling you, and, and here's what you need to understand. It was birthed in the midst of great suffering and trouble. I was talking to uh, Sabrina uh, uh last night at at, her, at Scott's dad's memorial service and uh, we were talking about the flood and whatnot. And she said, you know, in the midst of all of our troubles, God has showed up in such a mighty way in our midst. I said, well, Sabrina, that's how he works. He, he works through the troubled times. Could I, come on now, y'all with me today. I might need to get y'all some hankies so you can wave at me so I can see you to know for sure if you're with me today. He works through the middle of your troubled times, doesn't he, Felicia? He goes to work, uh, and he, and he helps us, and he encourages, and that's what happened in Philippi. In fact, if you look in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you don't need to turn there. This church became a model church, and it was a model church in the area of giving. They were a generous church. In fact, it's the only church that Paul ever bragged on and used as an example. He told the Corinthians, who, by the way, had little money and resources, from what I understand, uh, that, uh, hey, you just need to take a look at Philippi. These people are generous. If you want to know how it ought to go, you just need to learn from the church in Philippi. In fact, the letter to the Philippians was a thank you letter for their generosity. So there's a little snapshot of this church in Philippi. It's a great church. It had a great place in Paul's heart. Uh, and so he, when you read through it, I want you to hear his heart and just, and, 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 uh, just try to put yourself in his shoes and read Acts 16 and, and read Philippians and get the heart of God for the church. With that in mind this morning, here we go. We're going to focus on the family of God. What you're going to realize when you read Philippians and really even Acts 16, 
that Paul's life was consumed by his love for God and his love and concern for the family of God. You're going to see that. That it was, that he loved these people. He was consumed by his love for God and the family of God. In fact, Philippians 4 verse 21, the second to the last verse in the book. I love this. This is great. Uh, this just gets some, when you think of these Bible, uh, uh, scholars, these Bible characters, you kind of put them in some kind of context of deep and wide, you know, holy. And, uh, here's what he says in Philippians 4 21. He said, you get every saint, when you, he's writing this letter, he said, get every saint that you can find, every one of them, and, and greet them for me. Greet the saints, every saint. Everyone say, greet the saints. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. Now here's the, now we think of greeting, hi, how are you doing? That's not what greet means. It means hug. To give them a big hug. Do you see Paul's heart? He is, when he's finishing this letter, he said, every one of them, I want you to hug every one of them. In fact, let's stand up right now. Some of y'all are looking a little religious. Stand up. All right. Some of you look a little religious. Give somebody a hug. I mean, some of you may be guests. Josh, I'm sorry, man. He's kind of a guest here. Uh, I'll, I'll send my wife back there to hug you. Beverly, go hug Josh, our guest right there. He needs a hug. Somebody hug one another. I'm telling you, Paul said this. He said, I want to give everybody a hug. He loved the family of God. You can be seated. God bless you. Amen. The family of God. Last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, you saw something you've never seen before. We set Josh in as an elder. That's something you've never seen before. But uh, Jim, myself, and Josh kind of gave a kind of a state of the church address, if you will, and kind of answered the questions of, of where are we? Uh, who are we and what do we need to do to get where we need to go kind of thing. And so I, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back and get the audio uh, on our website and listen carefully uh, because it's important for us as we press forward. And Josh shared some important insight about the priority of the family of God. That we need to realize that we are part of a family. This is not an organization. It is an organism but it is not an organization or a club or a, you know, something that you, that you, uh, you don't understand what I'm saying. This is a family of God and it's organic and it's growing and it's alive and it needs health and, and, and there's some things we need to do to help the baby, if you will, the newborn, uh, uh, church family that we're giving fresh new birth to, uh, in the new year, some health and, and well-being. And so, from, from that understanding, when we look at the book of Philippians and we look at the, the heart of Paul the Apostle, how much love and care and concern he had for the family of faith. You know, I've, I've uh, seen pastors from time to time that when the church starts, uh, you don't see them anywhere. And right before they speak, they come out from behind closed doors and come up like they're you know, the president of the United States or something and, and then speak. And then as the closing prayer comes, they slip off. I'm thinking, what is that all about? Uh, th- these are, Hey, how many of you know, the sheep need to hang around the shepherd. Amen. And so I've seen a lot of abuse from that standpoint and a lack of understanding when it comes to the family of God. Paul said, I just want to hug all of y'all today. Amen. So let me give you quickly. I'm going to have to do this quickly some fine-tuned focus about the family of God from Paul's perspective. 
Number one, as you read through Philippians, here's what you're going to learn. That Paul loved the family of God. I said he loved the family of God. In fact, let me walk you through. I'm going to walk you through. If you've got your Bible, I, you need to walk with me. Look at Philippians 1, 7. Look what he says. Just as it is right for me to think this of you, because I have you in my heart. Everyone say, have you in my heart. How many of you got somebody in your heart? You got somebody in your heart's people. Oh, man, I, they're just in my heart. I, I just love them. They're in my heart. Paul says, you folks are in my heart. I carry you in my heart. Philippians 1, 8, he goes on to say this. He says, for God is my witness. He said this, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you with all the affection of Jesus Christ. Somebody say greatly long. That's intensely crave. Now, I, I kind of I kind of chuckled a little bit here. Because when, when's the last time you woke up on Sunday morning with this intense craving to be a part of the family of God? You just get up, I mean, on Saturday night, man, I'm intensely craving the opportunity to get to the house of God. That's the way Paul felt about the church. He said, I greatly long to see you. You know, we have a, 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 an old saying here in America that absence makes the heart grow fonder. It certainly should. It did in the case of Paul, but not in the case of God's people. Because I'm telling you, what I see when people begin to stumble and, and struggle in their in, in their walk with God and they hit and miss in church, uh, that very quickly their love for God and their love for the people of God begins to wane and begins to fade. And then the other things come in and take charge and control and reprioritize our life away from the focus of the family of God in our life. Am I, are you with me say amen he loved the family of God Philippians 2 12 he said therefore my beloved he called them his beloved do you have people in your life that you're beloved man I'm telling you uh, my wife is my beloved my kids are my beloved my son-in-laws are kind of my beloved but their grand my grandkids are my beloved I love those grand come on come on somebody say amen and some of you I kind of like you too how many of you know what I'm talking about we have people in our life. Paul said, this church, man, you're my beloved. That word is where we get the word love that is the agape kind of selfless sacrificial love. God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. Philippians 4.1, he says this. Let me read this to you. Philippians 4.1, he says this. Therefore, my beloved, there it is again, and longed for brethren. There's that same phrase, my joy and my crown. I love it. He loved the family of God. And then, as he began to instruct some of the, uh, the women in the church about some other women in the church, he said this, I implore Euodia and I implore Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, someone say true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. And then he, then he goes on. But what do we see here in the life of Paul? And then, of course, we get to Philippians 4.21. He said, I, I, just give everybody a hug for me. I need, I just, and you be my, you be my official huggers and y'all hug one another. I miss you guys. Paul loved the family of God. And as we focus on the priorities of God in our life. Listen, we need to come to a place where we fall in love, not only with God again. And let me just say, if you're falling in love with God, you're going to fall in love with the family of God. 
And I see this a lot with people that say, well, I love God, but I'm not much on the family of God. Well, you don't really love God at all because you got to love his family. Amen. Number two, Paul was focused on not only his love for the family of God, but it's, he says he was thankful for the family of God. If you look in verse three, and you'll see this when you read through Philippians this week, he said this, catch how he said it. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine. So he said, every time I think of you, I get thankful. It blesses me. How many of you know there's some people in our life, when you think of them, it doesn't stir up the attitude of gratitude? Even in the church, uh, we think of somebody, well, bless his heart. But Paul the apostle, he had a, he, he was so thankful for this church family. And he was thankful. You say, well, he was just schmoozing them because of their generosity towards them. No, when you read through, you'll realize he's not schmoozing them at all. He said, hey, listen, I, I'm concerned about you. I care about you. I'm thankful for you. In fact, it's better for me to stay than to go to heaven because, because, uh, I need you and you need me and we need one another. Somebody say we're better together. He was thankful for the family of God. Number three, he prayed for the family of God. Now, let me just say, Paul did not pray the generic kind of prayers that we pray. We pray generic prayers. We think, well, I did real good. I said, Lord, bless Pastor Sam. Now, I appreciate that. Or, Lord, bless the church today. Just some kind of a generic prayer that, that is not, has no specifics or in Paul, he prayed specifically. In fact, look what he says here in verse four and five. He says, always. I like that. Always. Somebody say always. In other words, he's always praying for the church. Could I tell you today? We talked about this last Sunday. Jim brought uh, about important priority. We talked about uh, praying for the church. And Paul said, I'm praying for you always. I'm going to be praying for the church. And so, listen, as we move into the future, we got to realize our future is not about us. It's about the kingdom of God, the family of God, and the purpose of God for our life. And listen, we're only as strong as the leakiest wink. And it, leakiest wink. Did you catch that? The weakest link. Everybody say, the weakest link. The linkest wink. That's funny. I think that's what I said. We're only as strong as our weakest link. And so we've got to pray for one another and lift one another up. He said this, I always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy. Man, just put that on for size. When you pray for your church tomorrow morning, you just began to pray for us, pray for one another and get happy. Lord, I thank you that you're going to bless Matt and Angela today. Lord, you're going to show them great things in 2018. Lord, I'm just happy about the fact that Patsy is going to uh, be a blessing and a minister to the kingdom of God and the people of God and the will of God and the, and, and the world around. Come on now, could I get a better amen? And get joyful in your prayers. And then get specific. He said in verse 9 and 10, and this I pray. He said, let me tell you what I'm praying for you about. This is not generic mamby-pamby, now I lay me down to sleep kind of praying. I pray the Lord my soul to keep if I should die before I wake. I pray the Lord my soul to take. This is not one of those repetitive prayers. He says this, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and in all discernment. Man, there is an explosion of insight with that verse 9. 
and that you may approve the things that are excellent and that you may be sincere and without offense until the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. If you just take 9, 10, and 11 and you start praying them these next seven weeks over our church family, come on, over your kids, over your wife, over your husband over everybody pray for your uh, neighbors and say god lord i pray for our church family that our love for one another in the world will abound still more and more and in and, and in knowledge and discernment and that lord we would approve and understand and say yes to the things that are excellent and right and that way that we may be sincere without offense until the day of christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness who Let's pray that our church is filled with the fruits of righteousness. That includes me and you. Amen. Paul prayed for the family of God. He loved the family of God. He was thankful for the family of God. He prayed for the family of God. Number four, he encouraged the family of God. He was an encourager and a teacher and a helper. In fact, quickly, let me just give you these thoughts. I'm going to, I'm, it's a bullet, uh, this is a bullet sermon right here. It's going boom, boom, boom. Here we go. He encouraged the family of God on how to live. And if you read Philippians 1, really all of Philippians, but Philippians 1, 27, all the way through chapter 2, verse 18, he's giving insights for living. He encouraged and he taught the people how to live. He taught the Philippians in the church how to love. Read Philippians 2, 1 through 4. It's about loving one another, being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Look out for others more than yourself. Love one another. He taught us how to love. He taught us and encouraged us how to lose. How many of you know there's some things that you need to lose? Look what he said in Philippians 3, 7, and 8. He said, but what things were gained to me, these things I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. How many of you know there's some things we need to shake off in our life that we might gain Christ? Paul taught us how to lose, and then he taught us how to lay hold. He encouraged us in verse 12 of that same chapter. He said, not that I have already attained or have already been perfected, but I press on. Somebody say, press on. That's what 2018 is all about. I press on. Uh, I love that word. I press on that I might, uh, no, I'm here. I'm going to find it here. I press on that I may lay hold. Somebody say lay hold. Lay hold for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. You see, let me tell you something today. Christ got a hold of you, not just to hang on to you, but to let you go and use you in the kingdom of God and his purposes. And Paul said, I want to lay hold of, of what God has for me, just like he laid hold of me. How many of you know he's got us in the palm of his hand? Amen. He laid hold of us. Paul encouraged the family of God how to live, how to love, how to lose, and how to lay hold of God's purposes, and also, of course, how to look forward. For he said in verse 13, Behold, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. In other words, I haven't got a hold of everything God wants for me to get a hold of. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, that's the focal point of forgetfulness that we need to embrace. And reaching forward, somebody say reaching forward. If you're not reaching forward in this hour, in this hour we live in, man, you're gonna you're gonna come to the uh, to the happy new year of next year, and you won't be very happy, and nothing will be very new in your life. 
But we've got to reach forward. He said, I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul encouraged the family of God. He was he loved the family of God. He was thankful for the family of God. He prayed for the family of God. He encouraged the family of God. Number five, he served the family of God. In fact, he and Timothy said this. He said this about them in verse one of chapter one. He says, we're bond servants of God. And how many of you know if you're a bond servant of God, you're going to be a servant to the family of God. In fact, he said this in Philippians two about himself he said this about his life yes and if i am being poured out verse 17 i'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith so he was a servant to the family of god that's what josh was talking about earlier and number six i think this is hugely important he guarded the family of god in fact, in chapter 3, verse uh, 1 and 2, he says this. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write to these things to you is not tedious, but for some of you it is safe. In other words, it's going to help you. It's going to keep you safe. And then he said, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. And he goes on to say, and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. He's talking about evil influences in the world. And he put a guard over them and a warning over them. Beware, beware, beware. Listen, as a church family and as parents, how many of you parents, you warn your kids, you can't try to guard your kids. Watch out for that. Don't eat that. Hey, wash your hands. The flu is going everywhere. Put, put on, get, hey, don't, 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 hey, don't cough in, at the, ta- what are you doing? You're trying to help your kids. Paul came along. He said, you got to beware of these influences. And let me put it in the context of what we're talking about. Beware of the influences that are taking your focus around, away from God and his church. Clouding a biblical focus for your future. You see, our focus has to be biblical. Let me say that again. Our focus has to be biblical. If we get focused on things that are out from under the, the, the blessing and, and encouragement of the word of God, you say, Pastor, we've got a lot of things to do. How I many of you know you got to focus on your work? Like the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. That's important. But we're talking about priority. What has our attention? What has our focus? And Paul did not want to, the, the Philippian church, he loved them so much, he didn't want them to, to lose their focus on the priority of God for their life. And then number seven. Paul focused upon being an example to the family of faith. He said this in chapter 3, verse 17. He said, brethren, join in following my example. And note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. You know what we need in the church today? Role models and examples. Somebody that we can follow. We used to say this, do as I say, not as I do. Listen, it's time for us to do what God says for us to do and be what God says for us to be and be able to say to those that are under us, the younger ones, the uh, people to our left and right, people we work with, hey, if, if you'll just follow my example. That's what Paul said. He was an ex- I'll be an example. I'll be a role model to the body of Christ. I love what he said in Philippians 4, 9. Man, this, this is an explosion of insight too. The things which you have learned, everyone say learn, and received, someone say receive, 
and heard. Somebody say heard. And saw. Somebody say saw. He said, the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do. And the God of peace will be with you. I'm telling you, that's where we all need to work towards. Where we can tell our children, we can tell our grandchildren, we can tell our brothers and sisters, people we work with, and say, you know what you've been seeing in me? You know what I've been teaching you? You know what you received? You know what you heard? You know what you saw? Just do those things, and the God of peace will be with you. Let me just, let me just expand that thought. If you walk in a, in an arena where you don't have peace in your life, you're not following after the right footsteps. Hello, look at your neighbor and say, that was stout. If you live a life that is always disheveled and unpeaceful and, 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 and not, you know, peaceful and, and joyful, joyful in your life, you're, you're not following after the right footsteps. You say, well, I'm trying to follow Jesus, but sometimes, let me tell you, Jesus comes with skin on him because we are his hands extended. Amen. He was an example to the family of God. And so our focal point this year, and let me just say, you got to catch this. You got, this is where the challenge is. This, the challenge is this. This is a focal point of our life, not just this moment. This ought to be the focal point of our life. The priority of the local church and the family of God. We can't be, what is it called? Uh, uh, um, when families are they're dysfunctional. There's a lot of dysfunctional Christians. Let me just say to you, I just get right down where we live. This, In fact, guys, Wednesday night is man church at, 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 at the catfish place. We're going to have fun. We're going to have fellowship. But we got to get down with one another and begin to get to know one another and trust one another and take care of one another and pray for one another. Uh, we, and, and, and we say, I don't know about that, man. You know, and all of a sudden we become dysfunctional because we don't know how to be relational with one another. Are you with me? Say amen. And so we got to embrace this thought. As we, as we counteract the culture of our day that is less concerned about God's kingdom and his purposes and his family than ever before. Amen. I want to close with one verse, and I want you to turn there. I'll show it to you on the scripture, up on the screen, but I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Last week, and even this morning, we affirm that our church family in 2018 needs all of our undivided attention. And this verse come alive in me again this week, and I want to read it to you, then we'll read it together. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, and it says, and let us consider one another. I love that. The word consider is considerate. Think of, ponder, be concerned about. Let us consider one another in order. Catch this. This is what we're supposed to be stirring up. A lot of people stir up things, but they're stirring the wrong thing. 
Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. You know what I felt when Josh was up here just a little bit ago? He was stirring me up. And some of you, he got to stirring you up. You thought, oh, I, I, I hesitate to even think out loud this, but I might want to help with that. He was stirring up love and good works. And then look what it says. And not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Somebody say we're better together. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Don't be that some. I know you're here today. I'm preaching to the choir. Don't be that some. But exhorting one another. In fact, I want to encourage you. If you see somebody that you've been hitting and mi- that's been hitting and missing, call them up. Love them enough to stir up love and good works and say, I missed you Sunday. And I would have loved to see you this Sunday. Pastor Sam started a series about biblical focal points for our future. I believe it would benefit you. In fact, this last Sunday, he talked about the fo- focusing on the family of God. And listen, the devil's after the church family and we need one another and you're a part of the family. I would love it if if you'd come be with us Sunday. Come on now. Uh, can I help you? Can I come pick you up? Uh, in fact, we'll go out to eat together and stir up love and good works and exhort one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. My friend Sonny Canancer last yesterday morning thought the day had approached. It was a false alarm. But listen, Paul's not singing a false alarm here. Jesus is coming. Somebody said, Jesus is coming. And he's coming for who? His bride. He said, well, he's coming back for me. Well, he's coming for his bride. Are you a part of the family of God? Have you embraced the family of God? And so, listen, as I said just a few moments ago, the focus of the family of God can't be just a Sunday morning message. It's got to become the habit of our life, like this verse said, where we reprioritize who we are. You see, some people are just believers who happen to go to church. But some people are the church who go to meet with believers. The family. It's a different way you look at it. In fact, I have some people in our church family, they, they talk about pastor. They, they say, your church. No, it's our church. It's our family. Could we stand together this morning? And as we did last Sunday, I want us to pray for the family. Pray for one another. In fact, this morning, even though it may be a little uncomfortable, and I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, if there's somebody close to you, take them by the hand and and. You know, Paul said, I want to hug everybody. We're just taking hands with one another for a moment. We're going to pray together. And we're going to pray that God would help us focus our hearts and lives, not only on him, but his family. Did you know all that God ever wanted to be was a father to the family? That's all he ever wanted. He's a father to the fatherless. And when he built this thing and he established and he birthed this thing called the church, it became an active, living, organic organism of family. So, Father, today as we come to this point, I pray for my own life and I pray for the focus of my own life, Lord, even as the pastor, that you would help me fine-tune 
my focus upon the importance and the priority of the family of God. Lord, that I would love the family more than ever before, that I would serve the family and pray for the family, encourage the family, warn the family, guard the family. Lord, help me. Lord God, be able to be a thriving, active participant in the family of God called Church on the Rock North. Lord, now I pray for one another. Those whose hands you hold, you may not even know their name. You can just as soon as we finish praying. But just begin to pray for them right now. And don't pray a generic, Lord, bless my friend. God, Just say, God, open their eyes to the importance of the family of God in their life. God, open their eyes and open our eyes to the importance and the priority and the focus of the family of God today. As we move into 2016, Lord, we pray for one another, Lord, that we that our knowledge and our love would ex, would expand and increase. Like Paul said, Lord, that we would love one another more than ever before, Lord God. That we would understand you and your purposes more than ever before. That we would do your will, Lord, and see your kingdom come and your will being done. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you didn't know whose hands you were holding, look, just introduce yourself. You know everybody? You got everybody?